Hello and welcome to Genius Law Minds, the podcast about childhood mental health from the perspective of a licensed mental health professional. I'm Dr. Madeline Vieira, a clinical child psychologist specializing in infant mental health and childhood anxiety disorders. I'm also a mother of three girls, ages six, four, and three, so I can personally relate to a lot of the struggles parents go through. Raising healthy children is important. So on each episode of Genius Law Minds, we'll dive into an aspect of childhood mental health. I'm here to shine a light on the tough issues that families like you are facing every day. Things like childhood mood disorders, anxiety, tricky family dynamics, and more. I'll guide you through the various aspects of children's mental health so you not only understand your child better, but also feel empowered as a parent to make decisions and help them seek treatment if it's needed. My mission is to demystify childhood mental health issues so you can connect with your child better and help them lead a healthy, happy life. Throughout the podcast, I'll help you understand the signs, symptoms, and treatments for various childhood psychological disorders. We'll talk about how you can best support your child in both school and at home, and how to find professional help if necessary. Together, we'll navigate tough topics like infant attachment, toddler tantrums, signs of anxiety, ADHD and childhood depression, intrusive thoughts or obsessive behaviors, and so much more. So, whether you're having trouble bonding with your newborn, or you have an older child displaying behavioral difficulties, this podcast is for you. I work with infants and children with a wide range of mental health concerns. If you gain one thing from this podcast, it's that you are not alone. Thousands of families struggle with the same things that you do. And the good news is, help is available. I believe that with the right information, you can make empowered decisions for your family. You've probably heard that children's brains have more neuroplasticity than adult brains. This is because two-year-olds have twice as many synapses or connections between neurons than adults do. This means toddlers can learn faster than adults because synapses are where learning happens. Having twice as many synapses means the brain can learn faster at this age than at any other time in the person's life. This is why children have the amazing ability to learn language from such a young age. When your toddler is two, their neural connections are dense. Practically everything is connected to everything else. But your toddler's brain development is shaped by his or her experiences. This is why narrating your day to expand your child's vocabulary is so important. The neural pathways that are frequently used become well-established, while the ones that aren't are lost. We either use it or we lose it. And while it's never too late to learn, the first five years of a child's life are crucial for their neurological development. The neural pathways that are used are kept, and the ones that aren't are lost through a process called pruning. A child's environment impacts which neural connections they're going to keep and which ones are going to be pruned. This is why you're encouraged to read to your toddler every single day. Even if you're reading the same short books over and over again, you're encouraging those neural pathways to strengthen. Brain development is all about forming connections, and that's why singing familiar songs, letting your toddler play, practice their skills, and engage with you and others is a vital part of their development. Toddlers can pick things up with their fingers and thumb, for example. So choosing toys that help them develop their hand-eye coordination and motor skills is also helping their brain develop. Children's brains develop in what are called critical periods and sensitive periods, 
which are essentially windows of time in which their brain plasticity is maximized. So what does that actually mean? It means it's easier for children to learn certain things when they're still young than it is for adults, like learning to speak a foreign language. Take learning French, for example, if it's not your native tongue. The sensitive period for learning to speak a foreign language like a native speaker is from age 0 to 12. While, of course, we can learn to speak a new language after age 12, more effort will be required. This is because the critical and sensitive periods will have closed. The brain will have lost its natural ability to store and process the information needed to learn a new language. Critical periods happen between age 2 and 7 and again in adolescence. At the start of a critical period, the number of connections between neurons doubles. During critical periods, synapses can form or strengthen more easily. Over time, brain wiring becomes harder to change. Just like the old adage says, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. It's not impossible, but we can get stuck in our ways quite literally. Toddlers, on the other hand, seem to be learning at a wildly rapid pace. Their motor skills or vocabulary, for example, may seem like they exploded overnight. But other skills take more time to mature, like reasoning and planning. So your toddler may be climbing all over your living room furniture faster than you can stop her. But she won't remember that pulling the cat's tail may cause the cat to scratch her. Let's dive into what your toddler is learning and cognitively capable of using the lens of psychologist Jean Piaget. In our episode on infant brain development, we introduced the first stage of Piaget's theory of cognitive development. Today, we'll discuss the next stage, which applies to toddlers, called the pre-operational stage. But first, let's go over the final substage in Piaget's sensory motor stage. We skipped over it last time because we were only covering stages that occur up to your baby's first year. But when your baby is around 18 months old, he starts utilizing symbolic thought. This means he's able to start thinking in symbols and images. He can start to visualize things, even if they aren't physically present. If you think about it, this is an amazing part of his development. Symbolic thought is just not possible for younger infants. They simply can't imagine things that aren't physically present. Symbolic thought is crucial for gaining what's called object permanence, or the ability to know that an object exists even if you can't see it. You may notice your toddler uses a block as a phone during play, for example, or pretends to cook food in a play kitchen. These are all examples of symbolic thought, using an object to represent something else that they can picture in their mind. After symbolic thought is achieved, children enter what Piaget called the pre-operational stage. And if you missed our episode on infant brain development, I encourage you to go back and listen, since it's the precursor to the pre-operational stage. And it's pretty fascinating how different infant brains are from toddler brains, even though they're just a few months apart. So the pre-operational stage is the second stage in Piaget's theory of cognitive development, and it lasts from about age two to seven. As the name suggests, your child's thinking during this stage is pre or before operations, meaning they aren't using logic just yet. It's not that they're illogical per se, but rather they answer questions intuitively rather than logically, and they aren't able to separate or combine ideas. Is your three-year-old afraid of the bathtub drain, for example? 
an adult can understand that they won't go down the drain when they sit in the bath. Why? Because we simply can't fit. But for a toddler, this is a difficult concept to grasp and may be a source of worry and fear. There are eight important features of the pre-operational stage. The first explains why your toddler can be quite self-centered. Egocentrism is a key component of this stage, and it explains why your toddler might seem unempathetic, or shall we say, difficult. Egocentrism means your child's thoughts are typically about him or herself. They think that everyone else feels, sees, hears, and experiences everything the way they do. At this age, it's difficult for children to see that situations can be complex and multifaceted. They're only able to concentrate on one aspect of a situation at a time. And they tend to center themselves, their feelings and their experience when thinking about a situation. This is called centration. So the next time your toddler is crawling all over you while you're just trying to enjoy your morning cup of coffee, remember, she doesn't understand that mommy or daddy needs to wake up first. She wants cuddles and attention and she wants it now. You can thank egocentrism and centration for this. You were probably the same way when you were a toddler. So try to take a deep breath and remember, she's only seeing the world from her point of view. Another important feature of the pre-operational stage is play. Play is a hugely important aspect of toddlerhood. We'll be doing an entire episode on play and its importance in childhood, so be sure to keep an eye out for that in the coming weeks. Parallel play is encouraged for toddlers. It allows children to play near each other, but not necessarily with each other. Because remember, your toddler thinks the world revolves around him. So he may not be ready to share his favorite toy just yet. Don't worry, you're not raising a self-centered child. Over time, your toddler will acquire the necessary skills to play well with other children as his brain is developing. But don't force sharing just yet. Let him play side by side with other children and consider hiding favorite toys to minimize possessiveness that may inspire hitting or biting that can be common with toddlers. As we've already established, toddlers are egocentric. So when your child is playing, he's in his own little world. Play is a powerful way for kids to act out their internal world, especially at this age, rather than using it to communicate and interact with others. Symbolic thought and representation continues in this stage. So you'll notice a dramatic increase in your child's ability to make something act like something else. Pretend or symbolic play is another feature of this stage and it becomes commonplace for toddlers. You may notice your toddler pretending to be something she's not, like a firefighter or a superhero or a doctor. You may also notice your child talking to someone who isn't there, an imaginary friend or companion. This often freaks parents out. And if your child has an imaginary friend, you may be wondering, is this normal? Yes, it's actually quite common for kids to invent imaginary friends. They typically pop up in early childhood at around two and a half to three years old. Research shows that about two-thirds of children create imaginary friends. This could be an animal, a person, even an inanimate object. So if your child is talking to Greg, the pocket goldfish, there isn't really cause for alarm, as long as you don't notice a fish is missing out of your tank. Imaginary friends actually have five main purposes. They provide companionship for fantasy play. They can provide comfort or a sense of security. 
They allow children to explore ideals and engage in problem solving. They also allow children to practice emotional regulation and management and explore roles and behaviors in their relationships. So in short, don't worry too much about imaginary friends. They're actually giving your child some practice in developing social skills. Eventually, as your child gets older, he'll enjoy playing with other real children, not just beside them. And older children in the pre-operational stage will start to lay out ground rules with one another, spoken or unspoken, and will gain experience in navigating how they relate to others. Another feature of the pre-operational stage is animism, which is the belief that inanimate objects like toys have feelings, thoughts, and intentions like humans do. Ever seen the movie Toy Story? This displays the idea of animism so well as all the toys come alive and have distinct personalities and desires. Does your toddler think everything is alive and has feelings? Like this rock or that trash can? This belief will likely continue until they're about four or five years old. They may also think inanimate objects have human-like intentions. Let's say your toddler trips over her shoe, for example. She may think the shoe was mad and made her trip. Artificialism is a pre-operational stage in which your toddler may hold the belief that you, other adults, or a higher being like God must have created everything that exists. So your toddler may say it's raining because God is crying, or he might say the ocean is blue because someone painted in that color. The last feature of the pre-operational stage in Piaget's theory of cognitive development is called irreversibility, which is a child's difficulty mentally reversing a sequence of events back to their starting point. For example, if your toddler has a flat pancake of Play-Doh and you take it and roll it into a bowl, he doesn't understand that you can easily re-flatten it. The ability to understand this won't usually appear until around age seven. Now that we have a solid understanding of how toddlers see and interact with the world, let's go into two hot topics in early childhood development. Emotional intelligence and growth mindset. These are two buzzwords that you've probably heard a lot. Emotional intelligence is defined by the Cambridge Dictionary as the ability to understand the way people feel and react and use this skill to make good judgments and to avoid or solve problems. Children learn emotional intelligence from the adults around them. Naming feelings is one way to help your child develop this skill. For example, if your toddler is crying at a friend's birthday party, you can say, it must be so hard for you to see Peter getting all these gifts. I bet you wish you were the one getting presents right now. You probably feel a little jealous that it's Peter's birthday and he's getting new toys. Naming and acknowledging your toddler's feelings, even the negative ones, may make him more receptive to being comforted. You can explain that when it's his birthday, it will be his turn to get a gift. You can also describe a time in your own life when you felt jealous as a kid. This helps your toddler learn that these big feelings are okay and can be dealt with and overcome. In addition to teaching emotional intelligence, you can also teach your child, yes, even your toddler, how to cultivate a growth mindset. Having a growth mindset means understanding that your intelligence, skills, and abilities can be developed and aren't necessarily just things you're born with or born being good at. For example, let's say your two-year-old is playing with an animal block puzzle. 
Rather than just saying, yay, you did it, or you're so smart, try saying, you worked so hard on that puzzle, it was tricky at times, but you stuck with it. Research shows that when you use process praise with toddlers between the ages of one and three, meaning you're praising the process and effort they're putting into a task rather than just the outcome itself, they're more likely to have a growth mindset five years later. So even small, seemingly insignificant comments can have a huge impact on your toddler and his brain development over time. As always, now is the portion of the podcast where I take caller questions. On every episode, we hear from parents from all over the world in the hopes that we'll help you get some clarity on how to support your child. Hello, I'm Christy from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, my husband and I have a six-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. Uh, sometimes we drop them off at their grandma's house so, you know, we can have a date night, but I'm concerned my mom is letting our toddler use the iPad too much. How much screen time is too much? We have some fun, age-appropriate games on there for her, but I want to make sure her brain isn't turning to goo. Hi, Kirsty. Thanks for sharing your question. It is widely accepted that the less screen time children have, the better. Children simply don't learn through a screen the same way that they do through play and exploration. Children learn by using their senses about the world around them. They learn social skills with people in real life. They need to feel emotions and learn to work through them. None of these lessons can be learned through a screen. Most medical organizations recommend less than an hour a day of screen time for children ages 2 to 5 years. This screen time should be spent watching high-quality programming, ideally programs that are educational in nature. It sounds like you are careful about what your daughter is watching or playing with, which is wonderful. Technology can be a great tool for learning if it is used right. Particularly preschool skills like colors, counting, and shape recognition are skills that can be learned through technology. We just need to remain vigilant and monitor the types of programs that our children are using. If you know that your child is going to go to grandma's on any particular day and may play on the iPad, consider eliminating any screen time for the rest of the day to stay within the recommended limit. You could also have a conversation with her grandma expressing your wishes for her to only play for an hour or whatever limit you've decided on. Consider preparing special activities that are just for grandma's house to keep your daughter off the iPad. You could pack supplies for a craft project or let your daughter bring her favorite toys. While an excess of screen time on special occasions wouldn't be detrimental to your daughter's health, there are other benefits to limiting screen time that you should consider. There is so much that your daughter could learn from her grandma. She could work on all of those skills we talked about before that can't be learned with a screen. But she may also be able to learn about her family history, what her grandmother's life was like growing up, or who her great uncles and second cousins are. Or her grandmother may be able to teach her different skills such as sewing, baking, or gardening. Family members from a different generation are a wealth of knowledge waiting to be unlocked. Eliminating the screen time may mean giving this gift to your daughter. Good afternoon. 
My name is Yasmin and I'm calling in from Marrakesh in Morocco. I'm a mother of fraternal twins. They are 27 months old. We read together a lot and I try to talk to them frequently throughout the day. But sometimes I, I get tired narrating what they are doing, especially th since there is two of them. Should I, uh, should I try to go back and forth describing what they are each doing? Um, or focus more on describing the world around us? Like at the park, I want to expand their vocabulary, but I'm driving myself crazy, trying to keep up. Hi, Yasmin. Thanks for calling in with your question. Narration is wonderful for language development, but I imagine it is quite tiresome keeping up with two toddlers and narrating everything they do, especially as they grow older and develop their own interests and want to play with different things. Luckily, narration is not the only method through which your children will learn your language. Describing the world around you, what both children are seeing and maybe thinking, is a great compromise. However, don't be afraid to give yourself a break. Sometimes, just have them hearing, seeing, and feeling the world around them is a learning opportunity. As they play and explore, there will be so many opportunities for language development that don't involve you speaking. There also may be many times when they are in new situations in which the stimuli are so intense that they aren't even hearing you anyways, and this may happen more than you think. Take the supermarket, for example. We find the supermarket to be mundane and boring because we've been there every week of our adult lives. But to your toddler, it can be a whole new experience. The squeaking of the shopping cart, the whirling of the refrigerators, the beeping of the cash register, it's all new information that they are trying to process. They hear the voices over the intercom, the music playing in the background, and the people talking in the next aisle. They are absorbing so many words and sounds. This applies in so many places like the park, the zoo, and the doctor's office. You are used to the noises you hear and the things you see, but your children listen carefully to catch each new sound. Your babies will be soaking up language in every place you visit, whether a public place or a social gathering. These outings are important because hearing a variety of voices is great for children. They begin to recognize different pitches and tones. They start hearing differences in languages between the ages of one and two. Infants as young as seven months can also detect various emotions behind a person's words. Their minds are like little sponges. You should continue to make good effort to expand their vocabulary and language skills, but know the world around them is their teacher as well. Hi there, this is Astrid from Stockholm, Sweden. I'm calling because my father scolded me the other day for uh, praising my son who is almost three. I was happy because he caught a ball when we were playing catch and uh, my dad said I shouldn't do that because he'll become one of those uh, one of those kids who expect a trophy just for participating. I think he was sort of joking but it made me nervous. Am I setting up my child to have a fragile ego and not be resilient if I praise him? Thanks for sharing your concerns Astrid. Many of us have heard this sentiment at some point in our parenting journey, so let's talk about it. While we often hear how participating trophies are bad for kids, those trophies aren't really the heart of the issue. What we really want is for our children to be intrinsically motivated instead of extrinsically motivated. 
Being intrinsically motivated means that our children want to do well because they feel good inside when they complete a task or do a job well. They have a sense of pride in themselves that doesn't relate back to other people. They don't need reassurance from others to know that they are doing a good job. Intrinsic motivation helps a child know that it's okay to fail. They can try again and do better next time. They know that they are strong and capable. A child who relies entirely on extrinsic motivation may struggle with self-esteem or lack the determination to finish a task because they constantly need encouragement from an outside source. While it's easier to be extrinsically motivated during childhood, it becomes more difficult as that child transitions into adulthood, where they don't have a parent or teacher constantly encouraging them. Intrinsic motivation leads to a growth mindset in adulthood. It sets your child up for success in the workforce, in their personal relationships, and in whatever goals that they have for their life. So how do you build intrinsic motivation in your child? Allow them space to make mistakes and try again without your intervention. Children need this time to learn how to process their emotions, overcome the difficulties they're having, and complete the task all by themselves. Even though it may take them two or three times as long without your help, let them try. Encourage your children to reflect on the hard work and effort they put into accomplishing a task. Let them know that you are proud of them and that they should be proud of themselves. Finally, teach them how to break big goals into smaller, more manageable steps. This skill will help them know that they can tackle really tough tasks and help them not get discouraged in the process. Now, to go back to your original question, is praising your child setting him up for failure? No. Our children need to know that we love them and are proud of them. So, praise him when he does an exceptional job. Tell him that you admire his perseverance and determination. Point out his triumphs when you see them. Our children being able to see and celebrate their success is a vital part of intrinsic motivation. Just keep in mind that our pride should not be the main driving force behind their actions. That force should come from within. Understanding what goes on in your toddler's genius little mind can be challenging but fun. I hope this episode not only provides some clarity on why your toddler may say or do some quirky things, but also gets you excited about being involved in their learning and development. Here are three key points to remember about toddler brain development. One, it's normal for your toddler to be self-centered, and it doesn't mean you're doing something wrong as a parent. Toddlers have a tendency to be egocentric, which is a normal part of their development. Two, if an imaginary friend starts hanging around your child around age two and a half or three, don't fret. About two-thirds of children create imaginary friends, and they can actually provide a number of benefits. Three, the number one thing you can do for your child when they're between one and three years old to promote a growth mindset five years later is to praise their process and effort rather than the outcome of something they're doing. Studies have shown that children whose process was praised when they were toddlers were more likely to have a growth mindset five years down the road. I hope you found today's episode on toddler brain development useful. Stay tuned because next time we'll cover all your burning questions about those tricky toddler behaviors like tantrums, biting, hitting, crossing boundaries, and using their favorite word, no. 
See you next time and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode.